Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold, post-Calver Gold, your trusted feeding partner for your dairy herd this spring. On C103. Hello and welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Among the topics on this week's programme are Water Quality Week, which takes place from March 22nd to 26th. Just under €14 million Euro was paid out in the Cork County Leader Programme 2014-2020, supporting almost 250 projects. Farmers are exerting pressure to have the operating hours of the Dursey Cable Car in West Cork extended as the longer evenings beckon. We look at the potential of rye as a crop following a recent webinar by Tagusk as part of its tillage month. This week we hear from Makra in Muskery and some of their events. And John O'Connor has more on the stories making the agri-news this week. Farm Talk on C103. The new finance working group set up as part of the Bovine TB Stakeholder Forum and chaired by Mr Jerry Kiley had its first meeting on 4th of March. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell, TD, pointed out that the Bovine TB Eradication Programme was our largest animal health programme and is subject to substantial financial support from farmers and also from taxpayers. In recognition of this, the terms of reference for the Finance Working Group tasks them with a heavy workload, particularly the need to ensure that the TB programme is sustainably and appropriately funded in line with the principles of the National Farmed Animal Health Strategy. If the objectives of the group are to be achieved, it's vital that all stakeholders would work together in a constructive and cooperative manner. Minister McConnell said he was tasking this working group with delivering for farmers. It needs to be a success and he is strongly encouraging all those involved to work together to deliver for our farm families. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. A group representing residents, community organisations, schools and local business people has raised objections to a proposed major pig farm to be developed by Dara Farms Limited at Corraheen near Ballymacoda in East Cork. The Power Group East Cork, Protection of Water, Environment and Residents, are currently undertaking a campaign to oppose the planned expansion and are encouraging people to make a submission to Cork County Council before the deadline of March the 18th. Spokesperson Karen O'Donoghue has been setting out some of the concerns in the group. Please be clear, this is not a farm. This is a business. But now it's our business and we say no. And we would really encourage anybody else who shares our opinion, who wants to add their voice to the objection, to get in contact with us. We are powerful 
Power Group East Cork 2020 at gmail.com. And by all means, do please find us on Facebook or Instagram. We will gladly help you uh, writing and preparing your submission. The deadline for which is March the 18th and every single submission counts. For us, this is a fantastic example of how a community can come together uh, to say no because we are so invested in our area. We're so very proud of it and we will support businesses that do good but not those that do harm. For its part, Darrow Farms Limited has applied to demolish existing pig buildings and to construct a new pig finishing building at Corraheen in Ballymacoda. In its application to Cork County Council, Darrow Farms Limited said the demolition of the existing building designed for 1,000 pigs would be replaced by a new facility for fattening 4,500 pigs, saying it will modernise the production using lower emissions. Research and Development Semi-State Authority Tagusk has attached its support for the new building, saying the existing facility is relying on 1980s processes. The new facility would use equipment that would reduce odours and emissions from the farm, Tagusk said. The decision to curtail the Dursey Island cable car operating hours has been described as very disruptive for farmers ahead of the lambing and calving seasons. Normally the service reverts to summer hours on the 1st of March, which sees the cable car operate after 4.30pm in the afternoon. But this has been curtailed and farmers say that shutting the service at 4.30 leaves very little daylight to supervise their livestock or if they need the services of a vet from the mainland. IFA Chair in West Cork, Donald O'Donovan, is calling for an urgent meeting with Cork County Council to discuss the matter and to explain the difficulties for farmers arising from the decision. He's calling on the council to revisit it as the absence of the service into the evening will be hugely problematic for farmers, as he's been explaining to me. Look, I suppose a number of farmers came to me as chairman of West Cork IFA to see if we could do anything. Uh, normally, the, the hours are extended by three hours from the 1st of March to the end of October. And it, it's critical for the farmers this time of the year. There are eight farmers, uh, depending on, on the cable car to get across to their animals. There's uh, 100 cattle and there's 500 sheep on the island. And we're coming into the critical time for farmers now on the island. They'll be calving and lambing from the 1st of April. And that really could start from the middle of March. So it's imperative now that we get this this rescinded back to where it was. Look, they're losing 21 hours a week by, by, by shutting down the service at half four. Uh, and <clears throat> look, we appreciate what Cork County Council are doing. In the past, for these farmers, so there's a lifeline for them I, um, since the island was depopulated. And, and look, we all know the cable car was a great engineering feat in its time. And, and to, to us, put there for, for these farmers. And also, I suppose the island is not accessible by boat, especially in the winter time. You can get there a limited access during the summer, but it, it's not accessible during the winter because it, the seas will be too rough. Just so that people get an appreciation, Donald, of how difficult it is. As you said, there are no inhabitants on the island, but they're using it, obviously, for their livestock and outhouses and that. So they have to get to and fro, really. They have to get to and fro. And especially with, if, if you're veterinary as well, if you need a vet, you know, you need the extra hours for him to for, for him to get there. Look, the critical time, as I said already, would be the next two, two to three months for, for the farmers because when they'll be calving and lambing, they need that extra time to be out there. And look, I, I appreciate the fact that we are, we are in a COVID position and all that, but in Level 5, farming is still a very essential service and the farmers sh- should be allowed to get to their work. 
safely and look into the animal welfare issue too. The extra, as I said, 21 hours extra for the farmers to be on the island could be critical for, for, for the, 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 their business. So it's at 4.30 now that the service is curtailed. If it was extended, what time would they operate till, Donald? They'd normally operate till 7.30. That's the from 9.30 in the morning to 7.30 in the evening. Look, the, far- the farmers, as I say, would, would appreciate that very much to, to be. And I, look, I think the county council are, are, are honourable people as well. And I think they will see it in, in the proper light. I know that that footfall uh, won't, won't be as strong for the summer uh, in relation to people going onto the island. But look, the farmers on the island welcome, welcome the, the people, the walkers and all that as well. You know, so the farmers cooperate in, in that side as well. So it, 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 it's a two-way street. Look, I don't think financially it would, it would be a big hit on the council to keep it open for the extra three or four hours. And are you uh, confident that you'll get the hours I, extended? I, I, think, I, think, I think I am, yeah. I think I'd be very confident that, that the council would, would, rescind, would, would go back on, on this decision and we'd look forward to going back to this 7.30 time again for, for the farmers. IFA chairman in West Cork, Donal O'Donovan. Meat Industry Ireland says the initial findings of a comprehensive evaluation of the Irish beef sector in an independent report by Grant Thornton has shown farmers receive 80% of total sale revenue earned by processors. MAI also called for an acceleration of plans to appoint a food ombudsman. That was a commitment in the programme for government. Meat Industry Ireland said it's committed to working with a food ombudsman in addressing the type of issues that have given rise to contested claims in recent years. IFA has rejected the claims by Meat Industry Ireland around beef prices, saying they simply don't add up. President Tim Cullinan said at an IFA online beef meeting that the Irish price is now 13 cent behind the board Be a Prime export benchmark price. He said beef prices must push on and reflect the reality of the marketplace. He said despite the MII claims, Grant Thornton admitted to the Beef Task Force meeting it doesn't have the authority to assess the information needed for a full and independent appraisal of the value of beef at all points in the supply chain. ICSA lambasted the beef processing sector at the task force meeting for totally unjustified uniform cuts in beef prices in early February. ICSA beef chair Edmund Graham is demanding answers about why the price was cut and who made the decision. He said it was incredible all meat processors implemented a uniform price cut at the same time, even though markets are going upwards. Makrina Ferrema believes a clear message emerged from the Beef Task Force meeting with large questions for farmers on the future of the beef industry. The recent cuts to beef prices for winter finishers is clearly not justified, according to Makra, when looking at the board beer price tracker. The question of market preference for bull beef remains virtually unanswered in the latest report by Grant Thornton. Makra President Thomas Duffy said after the meeting. Following the report from the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Agriculture, Food and the Marine regarding issues impacting on the forestry sector in Ireland, the IFA Farm Forestry Chairman, Mr Vincent Nally, has called for a new ash dieback grant to be brought in as a matter of urgency. He said that given the situation in recent times regarding the licensing crisis in the forestry sector, he commended the committee for bringing a renewed focus to ash dieback and the forest owners whose woodlands were being devastated by the ash dieback disease. Mr Nally is now calling on the Minister to act on the recommendations in the report and immediately introduce a new and properly funded ash dieback scheme. 
Vincent Nally said that one of the most important recommendations in the recent report is something the IFA has been seeking since the disease was first confirmed in Ireland, which is the introduction of a grant to cover some of the financial losses incurred by forestry owners due to ash dieback. The grant should cover the cost of felling infected forests and owners who replant must be able to draw on premium for 15 years. Mr Nally believes that the treatment of forest owners affected by the disease had been scandalous. The reconstitution and underplanting scheme should be scrapped. It had proved to be unworkable. The IFA Farm Forestry Chairman said it was significant that the report recognised the department had been ultimately responsible for the importation of ash dieback as this had been a bone of contention with farmers for years. He hopes the department will heed the report and that lessons have been learned, lessons which will prevent future disease importation. Disease importation has been a huge concern for farmers due to the large volume of timber and plants being imported at the moment. Part of a statement there from the IFA Farm Forestry Chairman, Mr Vincent Nally, calling for a new ash dieback grant following the report from the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Agriculture, Food and the Marine regarding issues impacting the forestry sector in Ireland. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. An online system to record the movement of organic fertilisers has been announced by the Minister. Minister of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConlogue, announced the launch of a new online system to record movements of organic manure between holdings. 
He points out the new system will replace the almost 16,000 paper forms submitted annually by farmers, bringing a number of key benefits to farmers. It's claimed by the department that these would include simplifying the system of reporting movements and, importantly, also giving farmers access to more prompt information on their compliance with the European Union nitrates limits where they are exporting or importing manure. Under the European Union nitrates regulations, farmers are obliged to farm within the limit of 170 kgs of nitrogen per hectare or 250 kgs of nitrogen per hectare for those who hold an approved derogation. One of the measures farmers can take to reduce nitrates levels is to export slurry to another holding. Previously, these movements had to be declared to the department on a paper form by 31st of December annually or 31st of October for derogation holders. Submission was by email or by post. System is open now until 31st of March 2021 for 2021 applications and farmers are encouraged to engage with their advisors to determine if they should apply for a European Union nitrates derogation. Farmers are obliged to ensure compliance within the limits of the nitrates regulations, thus avoiding penalties for breaching the limits of 170 kgs of nitrogen per hectare or the limit for those who hold an approved derogation, the limit being 250 kgs of nitrogen per hectare. Derogations are granted subject to conditions following an online application process by the herd owner or his advisor. 2021 applications are open now until 31st of March 2021. Measures all farmers can take to avoid exceeding the nitrates limits of 170 kgs a hectare or 250 kgs a hectare for derogation holders include renting additional land, reducing livestock numbers, exporting enough slurry or farmyard manure. There are records which the farmer needs to submit to the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine to have these activities taken into account. And they are Record 3 form, Record of Movement of Organic Fertilisers, Record 4 form, Temporary Movement of Animals, Record 5 form, Short-Term Rental Grazing Agreement. Further information available on the nitrates regulations and nitrates derogation at www.agfood.ie and follow the links onwards. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Recently, Tigers Cran Tillagemont with the latest insights on current tillage research, plus the most relevant technical advice for tillage farmers through a series of live interactive webinars. The tillage industry underpins Ireland's agri-food enterprises through the provision of high-quality feed material for processing, with the sector being the most carbon efficient within Irish agriculture. While the expansive role the cropping sector can play in supporting sustainable food production is clear, the sector faces legislative, environmental and land use challenges that are undermining its economic sustainability. One of the webinars included a topic on the potential of rye in Ireland. Richie Hackett, Tiagask Oak Park, gave a detailed account of how the crop is becoming more popular here and talked us through its uses, particularly as a grain crop. Richie compares it with other crops, disease resistance and the challenges it faces. So I suppose rye is still a minor crop in Ireland. So in 2020, there was less than 500 hectares of the crop grown. But uh, indications are that that acreage has increased for the 2021 harvest. But the crop has grown extensively in some other countries, such as Denmark, Germany, Poland and Russia. And it has a number of uses. I suppose the main use to date in Ireland has been for uh, distilling and the distilling industry 
industry for making uh, rye whiskey. Uh, that's still a small market, but it's uh, hopefully will increase over the coming years. But it can also be used in animal feed, particularly for pigs and, and ruminants. It can also be used for human consumption. So many people will have heard of, of rye bread and uh, uh, rye vita, which is uh, made, made from rye. And I suppose it can also be used uh, for as a whole crop forage for animals. But as I said, I'm going to talk mainly about the crop being a, as a grain crop. Uh, so why would we think about growing rye? What are the advantages uh, of the crop compared to other crops? The first one is that rye has a, a very high yield potential. Uh, so these are the results of uh, some trials over the past two years, 2019 and 2020, where we com- compared uh, a number of uh, rye varieties in terms of yield. And in each uh, experiment, we included uh, one or two wheat varieties for comparison and, and how the two uh, crops compared. And you can see that the, the rye compared very favorably uh, with the wheat, at least as good as, as the wheat in, in all the trials. And particularly for the 2020 trials, the conditions were less than favorable for, for the rye. It has very good uh, disease resistance, particularly to foliar diseases. So the main diseases that it's susceptible to are mildew and brown rust, and they're the two diseases you would have to take into account when designing a, a fungicide pro, a program for the crop. Um, but other than that, it it's, has very good disease resistance. It's also very uh, good resistance to take-all, so second only to oats in terms of take-all, and that makes it a good option in situations where take-all would be uh, an issue uh, for a crop like wheat or barley. Rye has a very extensive uh, rooting system, and that confers very good nutrient efficiency and very good drought tolerance uh, to the crop. So it's, it's able to scavenge the, the soil for, for nutrients and water better than, than other crops, and that's obviously an advantage it also has the potential to spread the workload, particularly around harvest time. Uh, so the crop will ripen generally between uh, winter barley and winter wheat. So it, it gives you the option to spread your workload a little bit. And during the season also, uh, rye would be more advanced in growth stage than, say, uh, wheat. Um, so that gives you the option to spread your workload during the season as well. Rye also has a high straw yield, but typically from commercial practice, growers are reporting getting one to two four by four bales of straw extra with rye compared to a comparable uh, wheat crop. But the crop also has some challenges. It's not uh, risk-free. Uh, so it's, it's quite a tall crop. So it's 30 to 50 centimetres taller than an equivalent uh, wheat uh, crop. And that means that lodging is, is a risk. But in terms of lodging, it probably should say leaning more so than lodging. So the crop tends not to go flat on the ground. It tends to lean over. And that's because it's got quite a strong straw uh, and most of the, the problems occur because of root road where the whole root system turns in the soil. And the crop does make every effort to, when this occurs, the crop does make every effort uh, to upright itself again. You tend to have relatively low losses even in crops that are, are somewhat lodged. Uh, I suppose the other challenge is that market is currently limited and, and there are also limited pesticide uh, approvals for the, the, the crop. Uh, so not all other crops are, are allowed on rye at the moment. That problem may well disappear if the amount of the crop grown in the country increases. In the past, ergo was a problem, uh, but modern hybrids uh, have re- significantly reduced uh, the, the risk of that problem uh, as such that uh, in the two years that we've worked with the crop in, in Oak Park, we haven't seen any ergo on, on the crop. It's also uh, quite susceptible to slug damage. And I suppose the other big uh, limitation is that there's limited agronomy research under our conditions. We're relying on work from abroad uh, to guide our, our management uh, recommendations. Uh, and that's something that we need to rectify. 
Richie Hackett, Tagusk Oak Park, are the potential of rye in Ireland. The recent announcement of the suspension of tariffs affecting Irish dairy and Irish cream exports to the United States of America market has been welcomed. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConlogue, and the Minister for State, Martin Hayden TD, both welcomed the announcement by the European Commission and the Office of the United States Trade Representative of the four-month suspension of tariffs on selected exports and imports between both blocks. These tariffs had been brought in on selected Irish agri-food exports to America in October 2019. The Minister of State, with responsibility for new market development, Martin Hayden TD, welcomes the positive news and said hopefully the announcement was a signal for the renewal of this historic, positive and enduring transatlantic relationship between the European Union and the US. He said this was a positive development for exports of Irish butter, cheese and Irish cream to the US market. Minister McConnell acknowledged what he called the significant efforts by the Irish Embassy in Washington in seeking to resolve this dispute and highlighting the importance of the US market for our affected industry to USTR officials. The value of Irish agri-food exports impacted by US tariffs in 2019 figures was approximately €422 million, attracting an additional €105 million tariffs in a full year. This 25% tariff was applied to Irish exports to the US on butter, €190.2 million, cheese, €43.7 million, and Irish cream, €184 million. The suspension of tariffs affecting Irish dairy and Irish cream exports to the US market is to last for four months initially. IFA President Mr Tim Conlon said the resumption of normal trade between the European Union and the United States was an important development for some of our premium food exports. As an export-oriented sector, it's vital that barriers be removed from some of our most valuable markets. We send over €400 million worth of butter, cheese and liqueurs to the US market where they command a strong price based on consumer demand for quality products. Mr Cullinan said Irish farmers rely on these markets to underpin the price they receive for their work and investment. Tim Cullinan said he hoped this signalled a new relationship between the two trading blocks and looked forward to increasing the opportunities for Irish food exports to the United States of America. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. The 2021 Glass Traditional Farm Buildings Grant Scheme has opened. The scheme funds the conservation and preservation of traditional farm buildings and structures of significant heritage value and which are conserved for agricultural use. The Heritage Council manages the scheme on behalf of the department and it's open to applicants who participate in the Green and Low Carbon Agri-Environmental Scheme, GLUS. It's funded by the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine under the Rural Development Programme. The grants available range between €4,000 and €25,000, with up to 75% of the cost of the project eligible for funding, with a maximum available grant of €25,000. The closing date for receipt of online applications is Monday 5th of April 2021 at 5pm. 
The terms and conditions and online application form are all available at the following www.heritagecouncil.ie and all lowercase. Eligible applicants for the scheme are chosen on a competitive basis and 70 to 80 projects will be supported. The 2021 Gloss Traditional Farm Buildings Grant Scheme opened for applications on 4th of March 2021. Funding applications must be submitted through the Heritage Council's online grant system at www.heritagecouncil.ie Again, the closing date, 5th of April 2021, 5pm. Miss Virginia Tian, Heritage Council CEO, pointed out that the continued existence of this rural-built landscape is dependent on there being enough people with traditional building skills here to maintain, conserve and repair this finite resource. These buildings are of immense social and environmental value, as well as serving as a very useful resource on farms. With proper care and maintenance, almost all this building stock will continue to endure and be resilient for the farm enterprise. Over the coming year, Ms Tian said, we are confident we will see many examples of projects which improve the quality of our rural landscape for farmers, rural dwellers and visitors, while at the same time preserving the integrity of our past. Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell, TD, said the benefits of the scheme go beyond retaining the structure for future generations because it can also have significant biodiversity benefits. Even the smallest building can provide roosting sites for bats and nesting sites for birds. Many of these sites can support a great variety and diversity of wildlife, including species of conservation concern. And this scheme works with farmers to support, enhance and safeguard the wildlife inhabiting these buildings. Minister McConnell said he was delighted his department was supporting this scheme and he would encourage all GLOSS participants to consider it. Further information, if needed, from the following website www.heritagecouncil.ie all lowercase John O'Connor for Farm Talk Chagas Water Quality Week is coming up from March 22nd to 26th inclusive it's being organised in collaboration with the Dairy Processing Co-ops and Local Authority Waters Programme Tagusk and its partners will provide water quality focused information and advice to farmers to help minimise losses of nutrients, sediment and pesticides to water from their farming practices. Tagusk advisor Lane Giles will discuss this topic with us today and over the coming programmes ahead of Water Quality Week. And today we're discussing the main nutrients impacting water quality. But first, what scientists are looking for when assessing water quality in a stream. I suppose scientists are looking really for, for life in the stream. It's as simple as that, in actual fact. And, uh, you know, when we think of life in the stream, we all think of fish. But uh, when scientists are looking at water in the stream, they're typically looking for invertebrate life. So this is the life that's, our, it's like the insect life, but they typically live on, on the bed of the of, of the river and uh, that's their habitat and uh, they live in, in between the little stones there and uh, they attach themselves to the stones and they, they, they that's where they live and, and, and survive. And of course the quality of water is particularly important. So the main nutrients then that are impacting that water quality? There can be any, uh, I suppose any a number of chemicals can, can impact on them. You know, they, they really rely on uh, clean, fresh water. Um, the cleaner the better really for them. But um, 
what's most common nowadays uh, in nutrients and on rivers and stream and streams and lakes and that is nitrogen and phosphorus so they're the main nutrients that that uh, are, are elevated in water waters nowadays i suppose it's to do with modern farming methods in large and these are the nutrients that are impacting on these insects in the stream it's not so simple in so far as saying that the nutrients themselves are impacting on them and they are to some degree but what happens is the the, the nutrients grow um algae and they grow plants in the stream and those plants and algae uh, rob the oxygen out of the water and that oxygen is what they need to survive you know so the tolerant species can survive uh, reduced oxygen uh, content in the water but the sensitive species they need the full amount of oxygen in the water and so if there's a, a nutrient impacting on the water then and uh, causing uh, algal growth for example that water is less lower in oxygen and as a result of it um, can support less life in the stream so when those that invertebrate life is missing out of the food chain, it's from then on it's the the next one up, you know, maybe the fish life and that that are affected and uh, the impacts are seen um, further down. You know? And if farmers are looking to improve the water quality on their farms, Lane, what should they be looking at? Well, I suppose considering that the main uh, impact is from nutrients, it's really to do with the management of those nutrients. So when we're out assessing farms, uh, they do there, we find two types of nutrient losses to, to, to rivers and streams. And one is um, what's called point source. A point source, typical point source might be a farmyard. And within a farmyard, it might be something like a silage pit or it might be dairy washings drain or something like that. It might be just a runoff from a farm roadway or something of that nature. They're what's called point sources. When they get into water, then they, they can, can affect the nutrient balance in the water. So that is one source, and it's actually the more minor source. In actual fact, the main source is what's called diffuse pollution, and diffuse pollution is the, the effect of land, like the, the, the surplus of nutrients on land. That comes from, I suppose, spreading fertilizers maybe too early in the spring, or maybe putting out um, maybe slurry and... It might, some of it might end up washing to the river or something like that, like that, you know. Bare land, there's no plants to take up those nutrients. It's about the nutrients and how, how it, it travels through, through the environment. We have those two sources, really, point source and diffuse sources, really. The LEADER programme 2014-2020 projects in County Cork have been completed, supporting rural development projects at local level to revitalise rural areas and create jobs. Total funding allocated to Cork County amounted to just under €14 million and supported 249 projects in total. John O'Connor joins me to discuss the programme details which were released by Cork County Council, detailing the lengthy list of rural projects that received funding, which was administered through various development companies. The total funding allotted was just under €14 million at €13.93 million. And where did that money come from? The LEADER programme was co-financed by the European Agricultural Fund for Rural Development and the Department of Rural and Community Development. Working with Cork County Council, LEADER supported 249 projects across Cork County. These projects of all shapes and sizes were delivered by six development companies with a view to supporting rural development at local level to revitalise rural areas and create jobs. And John, can you remind listeners which locations in County Cork received funding and the names of the local development companies responsible for implementing the €13.93 million LEADER programme funding 2014-2020? The local development companies responsible for implementing the LEADER programme were Avondue Blackwater Partnership, CLG, Ballyhara Development, CLG, Ardy Duhalla, CLG, CCAD Partnership, CLG, Ulrosna Gilderta and Cornelaloin, CTR, 
in conjunction with North, South and West Cork action groups. And I understand the funding was allocated at local level under specific headings. The LAG's local action groups operated under the theme of enterprise, rural tourism and rural youth. Dozens of organisations, groups, communities and families received a welcome financial boost or assistance in planning activities, again all aimed at revitalising their communities across rural Cork County. And perhaps you can give an indication of the range of funding. The range of funding was wide. It could be anything from €244,000 to €3,000. The €13.93 million available under the leader programme 2014 to 2020 was widely divided and stretched fairly thinly but was always welcome in the community and so who were some of the recipients of the leader programme funding 2014 2020 inclusive north cork renovations and upgrades of community centres in castle lines kilshanig conna and mitchellstown refurbishment of playgrounds in mill street mornabby and canturk a Digital Hub Feasibility Study by Butterman Munchen at Chira Community Council plus facility upgrade at Charleville Incubation Units. A number of other enterprise and tourism facilities were initiated or upgraded. There were 114 approvals adding up to €4,250,000 344 euro. And I understand there were 67 approvals in Cork West and they totaled over 3.5 million euro. Cork West beneficiaries included Clonakilty Community Youth Centre, Castletown Bear Development Association, Court McSherry Rowing Club, renovations, extensions and upgrades to community centres at Ballinadee, Gagan, Lanmore, Benescarthy and Whitty Island construction of a new community hall. Again, just a small sample of the long list of approvals. And Cork South also did well from the leader programme funding. Cork South, yes indeed, €2,803,477 to be divided amongst 68 approvals. Just a few of the approvals for funding, renovations and upgrades of community centres in Courtbrack, Clondrahud and Inniscarra, plus Carrick-Tool Community Council, CLG construction of Phase 2 of Carrick-Tool Community Campus Redevelopment, plus playground developments at Ballinadee, FON, Ballymacoda and Dungourney. And John, can listeners get access to the leader of programme funding lists that you've been referring to? Well, Barry, I received the list from the following... Communications.officecorkoco.ie, all lowercase. Listeners may wish to see which groups or organisations from their own area were approved for leader programme funding, but not included here. Farm Talk on C103. It's been announced that Miss Elaine Farrell, a native of Castletown Roach, County Cork, with over 25 years service with the Irish Farmers Association, currently overseeing the IFA's engagement with the Oireachtas, the retail sector and coordinating IFA Brexit activities, is to be appointed to an IFA National Council role. The Irish Farmers Association announced the appointment of Miss Elaine Farrell as Secretary of the National Council, which is the governing body of the association. Miss Farrell takes up the role from Mr Brian Barry, who is retiring after 34 years' service with the IFA. The President of the IFA, Mr Tim Conlon, said, following the approval by the National Council, 
of Miss Elaine Farrell's appointment to the role of Secretary of the National Council, governing body of the association, that Elaine would bring vast experience and energy to the role, which was an important part of the governance structure of the Irish Farmers Association. The Director General of the IFA, Mr Damien MacDonald, welcomed Miss Elaine Farrell to the new role. Mr MacDonald, in welcoming Miss Elaine Farrell to this new key role in the association, thanks Mr Brian Barry for his outstanding service to farmers in his 34 years with the Irish Farmers Association. For her part, Miss Elaine Farrell said she looked forward to taking up the role. As the largest representative organisation for farmers in Ireland, the IFA was a very important voice for farmers and she would work with IFA elected officers on National Council to continue this work. Miss Elaine Farrell will continue with her role overseeing the IFA's engagement with the Oireachtas. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell, addressed the inaugural meeting of the Seafood Sector Task Force, a topic we discussed here on Farm Talk last week. The task force has been established to make recommendations on measures to mitigate the impacts on the Irish fishing industry and on coastal communities that depend on fisheries of the fish quota share reductions arising from the EU-UK Trade and Cooperation Agreement. Minister McConnellogue assured the task force that the government will work to ensure that the fisheries sector and the coastal communities depending on it are supported throughout the period ahead. Eurosheep is an EU-funded thematic network encouraging knowledge exchange on flock nutrition, health and management between European sheep sector stakeholders in many countries. The first transnational workshop took place online recently with delegates from Ireland, France, UK, Spain, Italy, Greece, Hungary and Turkey. The aim was to discuss the main needs, issues and challenges involved in sheep production in relation to nutrition, health and management of flocks in the Eurosheep countries. Needs and challenges were identified in an online survey involving farmers, advisors, vets and researchers, most of which were similar across many countries. Next, we'll hear from Cork Makra. This week, we're joined by Daniel Buckley, who is the PRO of Muscari Makra. Muscari Makra have remained busy despite current COVID guidelines. Members have met on Zoom every Thursday evening for a games night, which has been very well attended. We usually play Among Us or Cards Against Humanity, Everyone is welcome to attend these games nights which begin at 8pm and continue until late. We have also introduced Musgrave Movie Night every Monday night at 7.45pm, again over Zoom. Together we pick a movie on Netflix to watch and coordinate start time so it feels like we're all watching together, while the Zoom call remains open for chat. It is important for members to maintain social interaction and these are two ways in which we are providing members with an outlet until we can begin our in-person events. We have recently completed our YFDG photo competition. The brief was farming-related photos for winter. We had a huge uptake in entries, which was fantastic. Congratulations to Matty Casey from Mill Street, Siobhan Lyons from Dunmore, and Sheila Walsh from Whitechurch on coming first to third, respectfully. You can check out all the fantastic entries by searching the hashtag MusgreeYFDG on Facebook and Instagram, or by looking at MusgreeMocker's social media pages. Get snapping for summer, as we will be launching the summer version of the competition in the coming months. Clubs have also remained busy in the Musgrave region. Ahina Makra are still very active and engaging with their members in the community. Over the Christmas period, they ran a charity calendar and raised €1,250, which went towards the McCroom Senior Citizens Meals on Wheels. 
They've also recently finished their step into spring competition in which members were encouraged to get out for about for a walk, jog or run as much as they could for the month of February and a total of 750 kilometers were covered by their members. They are also hosting a Friday night quiz every week. Everyone is welcome to attend. Dunmore Mocker have also been trying to make the best out of lockdown. On the run up to Christmas, they ran a Shine a Light for Cancer fundraiser over social media. Facebook and Instagram where they nominated people to share a picture of their Christmas decorations while also donating to charity. In the process, they raised €640 for the Irish Cancer Society. They will run weekly sports nights when restrictions are lifted. Please keep an eye out on all social media for more information when it becomes available. To help the endless amount of time we now seem to have with lockdown, Dunamore are also now running a book club where they pick a book, read it for the month and then discuss it over a glass of wine on Zoom. The book they are reading this month is 1984 by George Orwell. Members will be discussing this book after the March meeting next Friday the 19th and again anyone is welcome to participate. The book for April will be The Help by Catherine Stockett. If you would like to take part please message Dunamore Mokra on their Facebook or Instagram pages. Moving elsewhere in the county, Shandoon will be having a murder mystery night on the 27th of March. UCC are having a quiz this coming Monday and Shandoon are currently doing a 9 week couch to 5k. Things are also now heating up in the race for Musgrave presidential and vice presidential elections, with hustings now taking place. The hustings for Munster will take place Monday and on Wednesday the 24th of March on Zoom. If you would like to attend the virtual hustings, to check out the candidates, please go to mockrad.ie to register. The candidates for president are John Keane from North Tipperary and Daniel Long from South Tipperary. And the candidates for Munster vice president are Anya McCarthy from Immokilly and Elaine Howerin from Limerick. If you or anyone you know would like to know more about anything discussed or would like to join Mokra, please message Musgrave Mokra on Facebook Messenger or on Instagram and I'd be more than happy to help. Commenting on the ongoing outbreak of equine herpes virus 1 in horses in continental Europe, the Minister for Agriculture, Mr McConnell has urged all players in the equine industry here to respond to the increased risk which this poses to the equine population in Ireland and to double down on their biosecurity practices and measures. Minister McConnell said he is aware that Irish horses have been competing across Europe in recent weeks. His officials had met with representatives of Horse Sport Ireland and the Irish Equine Centre on 2nd of March to develop an appropriate risk-mitigating response. Whilst this is not a notifiable disease, given the extent that the virus seems to have spread across Europe and the description of the clinical outcome, he strongly endorses recommendations from that meeting on 2nd of March that all those competing horses on returning to Ireland would follow the EHV1 protocol for returning FEI horses to isolate and carry out two PCR tests prior to completing quarantine. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Thanks to John for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahady. Thank you for listening. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Calf Milk Replacer, offering a wide range of calf milk replacers to suit your calf's needs. On C103. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.